What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the In Situ Health and Fitness Podcast. On this show, we give you everything you need to live a long, healthy, and happy life. Real quick, everybody, if you are a long-time listener and you still haven't started your health and fitness journey, or you just feel like you need a little bit of help, the Mac and I wanna work with you. We will show you how to implement simple, easy, but effective ways you can improve your health and fitness and start seeing results straight away. This is personalized coaching and you will be working with Mac and I one-on-one till you reach your goals. If that sounds like you and you wanna get started, then make sure you hit the link below because we're excited to work with you. Let's get back to the episode. This doesn't happen very often anymore. I listened to a podcast the other day and it was blowing my mind. I had to go, I, it's the first podcast in a long time that I've actually gone back and listened to a second time. Lots of nuggets, just a good conversation. Things that I thought I knew that didn't. Um, things that I did know that sort of reinforced what I did know. Um, so yeah, it's a good podcast. Before we get into that, uh, if you don't know, or you don't follow us on social media, or you missed the last couple of shows, Mac and I have recently moved to Melbourne. Do you want me to elaborate on that? No. Um, <laughs> I just thought it was, it, we've been here, what, for three weeks now? Two, this, today, two weeks today. Oh, there you go, two weeks. Feels like three. Yeah. Um, I just thought it'd be cool to go over some misconceptions, because we're all about, you know, growing and trying to not hold certain beliefs, especially in the health and fitness industry, because it's full of... Misconceptions. Misconceptions and do-or-die attitudes towards certain diets or training methodologies. So this is my first time living in a city. I've obviously visited cities before, but three weeks is the longest time I've spent in a major city. Um, Are you saying three weeks now? It's only been two weeks. <laughs> two weeks, sorry, two weeks. Um, so yeah, I just thought it'd be cool to go over maybe a couple of misconceptions, okay. some things that you thought were going to be one way, but you've got here and it, they're completely different. I, I don't think that I've really run into any like things that have changed my mind or perspective i guess the biggest thing that i've noticed that i probably wasn't expecting or anticipating was how friendly people are so i think that i just assumed moving to the city it would be hard to make friends and like everyone's going to be super busy and on their routes to do their jobs and they have tight schedules and everything but it's a lot more relaxed and inviting than i anticipated it was going to be Mm. But I don't know. I don't think I visited Melbourne a lot when I was a teenager and I briefly lived here for three months when I was 18. So I feel like I kind of had pretty realistic expectations. Why? What, what, has, what have you changed your mind on? No, I, I just think it's a big thing because a lot of the time when we're talking about moving to the city and then we were on our way to the city, everybody's like, oh, like this is going to happen and this and what about this and all that sort of stuff. And it, 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 it is completely different to what I thought it would be. Like you said, everybody's, again, I don't know if this is a Melbourne thing or the area we're in in Melbourne or mm. it is a city thing. I've got nothing to compare it to. So 
those people out there don't get angry at me if you have different experiences. But from what I, I've experienced, yeah, a lot more laid back than I thought. It's not so much hustle and bustle. Um, obviously, as you go right into the CBD, we're on the edge of the CBD. It's a little bit more hustle and bustle, but that's to be expected. But still, definitely not what I thought it would be. Um, I, I, everybody that said, you know, you go, oh, we're moving to the city. Oh, food's so cheap there. And a lot of the time, people are talking about takeaway foods and fast foods, all that sort of stuff, because there's a lot more variety. It's a lot more cheaper. And I'm like, yeah, great. That's good. We don't eat that stuff. <laughs> so real food's going to be more expensive but I've actually had the complete opposite experience. Um, so where we were in Isle on the south coast of New South Wales, we, we shopped local, we went to the farmer's market, the veg shop, all that sort of stuff. We knew the veg shop owner. Mm. Like you become friends with everybody because it is so, such a small community. But it is, Isle even, Isle was established because it was a fishing town. So, and, it, and fishing is still one of the major industries there, but we have better seafood here. It's cheaper, it's fresher, it's better quality. Like it, the produce, like the fruit and veg is, I'd say at least half the price. Yeah. I think because it's so competitive, like we shop at the um, South Melbourne markets. Mm. So when you go, like um, most people listening will probably be more familiar with the Vic market. So like a slightly smaller equivalent of the Vic market but because there's like fish shop chicken shop red meat shop I don't know what you call that fish shop chicken shop red meat shop is very competitive mm. and there's like six different fruit and veg stalls so they're all trying to get you to buy from them so their service is amazing their products are a lot better their prices are a lot cheaper all because they have to compete with the guy literally next door Whereas in Ulladulla, you have one place to get your fish from, like two supermarkets to get your fruit and veg from, you know, like yeah. they can charge whatever the heck they want because there's not much, uh, there's not, no other choices for you. Like you can't go somewhere else really. Yeah, that was probably bit my biggest misconception of, yeah, how, and it is very, again, this could just be the area we're in, but it's very easy to access that good quality food. We have an abundance of it and it's cheaper. Mm. It's, yeah, that's probably my biggest one. And like you said, um, people. I, yeah, it's been quite nice and actually relieving to have such a laid back environment in the city. Yeah. Like you said before how it's a small community in Oladala, so you, like, you get to know the guy that owns this shop and that shop. But also like it's a massive community here, but you also get to know everyone. Yeah. Like the people that you that serve you at the market and places like that like i said their service is just unbelievable like they, they just everyone wants to be everyone's friend and that's really blowing my mind like we go to the dog park that's across the road from our building three times a day and everybody there is so so welcoming so friendly they all like get the dog life they all just want to know everything about your dog and I don't know, it's just Ulladulla, Bansdale, anywhere else that I've lived. It's like if you aren't from here, then you aren't allowed to participate or join or you aren't ranked as highly, I guess. Whereas here, no one gives a crap. Because everybody's always in transit or new yeah. or been here. Or, or come from somewhere. Most people are from somewhere else. Yeah, so it's a lot more accepting and <laughs> there's no clicks. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, that's another thing. I was worried about the dogs being in the city. Like everybody's like, oh, you know, where are the dogs can go to toilet? Literally, we walk across the road. There's a dog park, there's a big grassy patch and grassy patches are everywhere. And there's like 50 other dogs that they play with every morning and afternoon, which is like yeah. something they've never had before. Yeah. Like if we, in Aladala, we would take them to the beach, but the ratio of small dogs to large dogs was <laughs> way in the favor of large dogs. Yeah. Um, whereas here, it's just, it's sort of like large dogs go to this park, small dogs go to this park and you just sort of go where suits your dog and your dog's personality and stuff like that. So it's, mm. I don't know, it's really nice. Yeah. Um, just thought that was a nice little positive note positive note for everybody before we get into some negatives maybe oh god not negatives just things that might make you rethink a few things so the podcast I was talking about at the start of the show was uh, the mind muscle project and the episode 1180 blood work peptides and genetic optimization with Jake I'm going to butcher his name, but I'll give it a go. Delosia. Yeah, let's go with that. Sure. Um, like I said, really good chat. Uh, I've sort of ha- It's random that I just started listening to this podcast because I haven't listened to these guys, this podcast, in a while. Uh, just I, They just sort of changed the way they were doing their content, and I just really wasn't vibing with it. And I thought, oh, I'll go on there and see what they've done. First podcast to listen to blew my mind. Um so like, like the description says, uh, they go in a few things. So blood work, um, a good conversation about blood work. I learned a lot. Um, one of the things that was crazy and I didn't actually know, I've, I've just, I have obviously had a, everybody, you know, over the age of 30s probably had a couple of blood tests done. Um, it is something you should do regularly just to keep an eye on things, but one thing I didn't realize is when you get a blood test, they give you an average, like you're in this percentage of, you know, you know whether it's out of 10, but then five to six is a good ratio and everything out of that is too high or too low. Um, does that make sense? So it's like you fall on a spectrum of, yeah. yeah, okay. But the spectrum is done individually for the company that does the blood test. So you can Ooh. get blood tests done from you know, all different places. Uh, I think there was, in Aldala, there was three places you could choose from. In Melbourne, there's a hundred different places you can go and get your blood test done. Some are cheap, some are expensive, some you might have to wait a couple of months, some you can go in there and get it that day, all that sort of stuff. So there's different options. Each place, generally, to get a average, they test everybody that works there, and that's who you are compared to. Really? So what if you go to a place where all of the employees are generally unhealthy or yep. a place where all of the employees are generally healthy and then you, your blood's come out saying that you're very unhealthy because you're being compared to all of these elite? Yeah, so exactly. And that's what he talks about is I, I get some blood tests and some people say their testosterone or their estrogen, iron, D, vitamin D, all that sort of stuff is high but it's actually super low, but they're just compared to unhealthy people from the place that wow. they work at. So then they take that to the doctor. The doctor goes, oh, well, you're fine. You might be feeling like shit. You might have no energy. You're sick all the time. 
you can't exercise, but all your bloods are saying normal, but it's normal compared to these other unhealthy people. Wow. So then the doctor doesn't give you anything, and then you've just got to go live your life in these unhealthy situations. But then what you're saying that the doctors won't treat you until you get fall below that line. So every six months you go get a blood test and it might be three years, but, and like, you know, it might be six and it's fine next six months, you five and then so on and so on. And you'll finally get to three and the doctor's like, all right, I can prescribe something because you're on the low. Oh my God. Here's a vitamin tab, whatever you need to, to solve the issue. And it's just like, yeah, that sort of blew my mind. Um, so this guy is very, he, he sits in the middle of a holistic coach, um, a doctor, med, uh, a Western, Eastern doctor. Like he's in the middle. It, he's actually has quite a good view on the whole medical system. Like he doesn't disregard any, mm-hmm. but he accepts all of it. Like, so he just can have a good view on it. Uh, so I definitely recommend having a listen to that because some of the blood stuff just, yeah, blew my mind. Why doesn't like each country even, just for example, or I guess Australia would do each state because we are so, there's so much state rivalry, have like a bank of everyone's bloods that you would be compared to? Why don't they do that? Yeah, don't know. He, mm. he didn't know that either. Uh, just because no one talks to each other because uh, it is a private sector. It's all about the money, I guess. It's all about the money. Um, and there's just no, I guess there's no thought process in, in that, in that way to achieve that. And he goes into that a lot as well. Um, another funny, not a funny, but a scary thing. So obviously they talk about peptides and all that sort of stuff. Um, we, we often get a lot of questions about peptides. Well, I do, especially on social media and all that sort of stuff. Peptides are very popular at the moment. Can you just clarify what peptides are? Peptides are an amino acid put together. So there's 21 different Mm -hmm. amino acids. Amino acids put together make proteins, and proteins are obviously the building block of your body. Um, But now scientists have realized if you put certain amino acids together, like two or three of them, that creates a peptide, and that peptide can achieve something in your body. Um, they go into, there's one they talk about that helps with recovery. So obviously, if you go work out, you're d- doing damage, good damage to your body. So you're tearing muscle fibers, you're putting tension on your joints, all that sort of stuff. This peptide actually increases the recovery of, the, of, of everything in your body, basically. Um, quite interesting, but there's other peptides that help with skin, hair, mm. um, eyesight you know, organ function, because they're all, everything, everything that you can actually touch on your body is from, from protein. Protein, protein so, is the building block. So basically, yeah. <laughs> but like he says, it is it is very new. Mm-hmm. And anybody worth listening to will tell you, just be careful, obviously, because it is very new. Yes, there's some peptides that are safe and you can use them. Very hard to get in Australia. So if you're buying it off the internet, technically I'd say you're probably not actually getting the peptide that it's advertised as because the peptide market is very unregulated at the moment. So mm-hmm. you can say, yeah, this is peptide, blah, 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 but it's like 2% in the bottle or something like that. So just be very careful. 
So why would somebody, I guess like if you have bad skin, then your body isn't utilizing the certain amino acids that are in the peptide to help skin? Well, like, yeah, so again, I, I, good question. And I'd say go listen to this podcast because he talks about it. People are too eager to go to the easy way. His whole thing is, you know, if somebody comes to him, he'll get their blood work done, um, you know, see their symptoms, ask all the questions like how do you live your life mm -hmm. and optimize their health before they actually add in the peptides because just optimizing your health, sleeping, drinking, eating the right foods, exercising, all that sort of stuff will fix most of people's issues. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because like if a peptide is just a combination of like two or three amino acids, then if you just increased your intake of all the amino acids, then wouldn't it fix any one problem that one peptide is going to fix? Yeah, 100%. But to, like, to a certain extent, yeah. obviously. And like he says, there's some people out there that need a bit of help in some situations. Um, he goes into a lot of gut microbiome stuff as well, but very easy to understand. It's mm -hmm. probably the, um, he has a conversation in a way that you can actually understand um, just how that affects people. Like if you have, you go overseas and you drink the water and you get sick and that sort of stuff, how that will affect your body and how it will show up, all that sort of stuff. If you have a bad piece of sushi and it makes you sick, mm. you know, it upsets your mi gut microbiome. It can actually affect you for like two or three years wow. without you realizing. Um, then they obviously get into supplements and all that sort of stuff and, you know, genetic and um, just, you know, the building blocks of the body. Um, one thing I found, two things I'm going to bring up. One is for the ladies, one is for the guys. Now, don't freak out about this. This is sort of more like, you know, just something to think about and maybe research if you're interested in it. Um, the first one was fluoride. Like what's in toothpaste? And water and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, fluoride. Fluoride. Fluoride is actually used by scientists to induce hypothyroidism in rats. Mm -hmm. So if they're trying to do a study on thyroids and that sort of stuff, they'll give them um, fluoride. Fluoride. F. <laughs> to induce hyperthyroidism, and like you said, he just said it can start causing a lot of issues because it's in your water, it's in bread, it's in soft drinks, it's in it's added into a lot of toothpaste, all that sort of stuff. So. Obviously, if you don't have an issue with thyroids, um, not not need to worry about. But it, he said, like, if you're, he gets this all the time. People with hypothyroidism, and obviously that comes with a lot of issues of weight gain, all like a bunch of things. But then they're also drinking tap water that isn't filtered. They got toothpaste, all this other stuff. So it's like um, just being mindful of that sort of stuff. I thought that was. Because I've had a few clients with that before, and I just that for me that was quite interesting. So consider how much fluoride you have in your diet. Yeah. But you know what's funny is, like, fluor you need fluoride. You can get fluoride-free toothpaste a lot now in the natural ones, but fluoride actually helps you build stronger enamel. So if you mm. don't have fluoride, then it's like. But if you eat again, if you eat a normal diet, like so. Um, fruit and veg, 
you find it in meats, um, you do find it in natural spring water, all that sort of stuff. So if you eat food, you don't need to add it in. Mm-hmm. And what he says, like, there's an abundance of it. Um, he, he said you should be filtering your water um, because of other reasons that I'll get into in a second. But um, it can just start adding up and adding up and adding up in your body. And um, you might be pre, pre-exposed to this sort of stuff, so it might be an issue. Um, iron supplements. So we've a long time ago, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was on the podcast, but we spoke about how synthetic supplements and you know like on a synthetic iron supplement or synthetic magnesium supplement so synthetic means it was created in a lab Mm -hmm. Um, it's not from a natural source turns out iron can actually um, wake up dormant cells in the body that are um, to do with alzheimer's so the synthetic iron supplements will wake up dormant cells that encourage Alzheimer's and brain diseases like that. So just synthetic iron? Yeah. Okay. So you just said the synthetic... Um, I've had this conversation with a chemist before and they sort of were a bit wary about all that sort of stuff as well because what they combine it with. So yes, they create the iron in a lab, but then they have to join it with other chemicals so your body actually absorbs it. Mm-hmm. And so there's other chemicals that are really bad for you. And yeah, they can wake up dormant. Because we all have those cells in our body. It's just what you do with your life and the intake and all that sort of stuff that can wake those cells up. And then you get Alzheimer's. Um, so yeah, I thought that was interesting. Mm. Last one, I promise was about, um, again, back on the water, um, because they brought up, I didn't actually listen to this, but there was a specialist on Joe Rogan about microplastics and plastics and all that sort of stuff and how bad it is for you to the point where this guy was saying guys should not wear um, polyester Polyester briefs, undies. Yeah because it rubs on your skin and your skin absorbs the plastic. Oh, yeah. And he said it was to the point where it's almost like a... Um, what do females take? Contraception. Contraceptive, a male contraceptive. Wow. Wearing tight briefs, yeah. undies, because it just it heats up your skin and your balls and you absorb plastic through your skin. So it, it basically, apparently, is destroying your hormones and your ability to have kids. Wow. And then, he's, and then they also go into how you should filter your water to get all the plastics out because that's slowly building up in people's bodies and that is creating issues as well. Like, as in it can cause, again, it can wake up dormant cells in your body, which can bring on all sorts of issues. But it's also starting to build up and clog arteries and blood veins and all that sort of stuff. So Like literal plastic. Yeah. Yeah. Yuck. So, again, it's microplastics. You can't see it. But over a lifetime of drinking water, it builds up in your body. Mm. And if one, start, one little bit sticks to the wall of a vein and then 
yeah. starts building up and then again over 30 years it can build up and then all of a sudden you can just drop dead so and they was even saying to the point where having hot showers as well because you have a hot shower open up your pores the water's going all over your body so you absorb it through your skin mm. and the plastic going in through that way as well he said it's in the foods it's in it's inescapable really yeah so he's just just saying how you need to like the minimum you should be doing is filtering your water yeah mm. wow interesting um, yeah again just a but it wasn't all doom and gloom like it was actually just a good podcast to listen to so yeah recommend going and have a listen to that cool what <laughs> i don't even know what to what to go to next how long have we been gone for don't know. Okay. Well, I've got something that's less uh, scientific. It's scientific. <laughs> Maybe less doom and gloom. I don't know. But I have this study that I found uh, in uni last week. And it was done in Penn State. So it's in the US. And it is about problem foods. Quote, unquote, problem foods. Like, I'm going to say junk food. There's like this big stigma going around at the minute. Like that junk foods shouldn't be called junk foods and you should include everything in your diet and you shouldn't restrict anything, which I think to a certain extent, yeah. Mm. Like we still have quotation marks included, junk foods. Um, but I just noticed that like since moving here, we probably have a less strict diet so far because we've been like, we get croissants when we go to the market and we've been having hot cross buns. And stuff like that and I think personally having like a hot cross bun a day or whatever it is that we are including in our diet makes us less inclined to go to the shops and buy like two packets of Tim Tams and a packet of hot cross buns mm. rather than just having like a night where we eat a bunch of processed food I'm gonna say processed food um, we just have like one thing a day so I think it lasts a lot better whereas my personality type is very much all or nothing. So in the past, I have either been super strict with my diet, like fruit and vegetables only, or I've been, let's have a bunch of Tim Tams every day for afternoon tea and who cares about what else I eat. <laughs> so I just thought that this was interesting because I see like the controversy on social media all of the time about like the two camps, like just eat a whole food diet or Eat whatever you feel like that makes you feel good. You know what I mean? Mm. Anyway, so in this study, there was 186 women who they classified as either overweight or obese. And they were asked to rank the foods that they can't resist or that they find it hard to stop eating. And the foods, like the top five foods that were listed were ice cream, chips, chocolate, cookies, and pizza. Pretty standard. Yep. Um, and then the scientists had the participants follow a 12-month weight loss program and they monitored their strategies for managing these quote-unquote problem foods. So how did they manage minimizing these foods, I guess, in their diet over a 12-month period? And the result was overall the total avoidance of the problematic foods, so the extreme end, like I'm not eating any of these foods, versus the I'll eat them sometimes group. The sometimes group ended up losing almost double the amount of weight as the complete restrictive group mm. because they didn't have like that massive rebound of 
I'm not going to eat it and now I'm going to eat it all. So, yeah, I guess. Yeah, this is like Tim Ferriss made the cheat day very popular through the um, four hour body. Yeah. If anybody's read that. And it, people have misread it or misunderstood what it is. So basically making sure you have that cheat day. And he talks about trying to make it further and further. Like, so have one cheat day a week, but then once you get used to that, have one every two weeks and then one every three weeks and one and so on and so on. So you're not doing it all the time. But now everybody's like, oh, have one cheat day, cheat day a week. And it's like, yeah, but if you're doing that for the 12 months of the year, it's not really effective. Mm. Um, but the idea of a cheat day is you're very strict on yourself knowing that you can have this one day to let loose. To let loose. And it's the same concept, but just on a smaller scale. So instead of having one cheat day where you eat everything possible that, you know, everything you mentioned, like cookies, yeah. pizza, all that sort of stuff, just having that one cookie a day or half a cookie a day is just enough to satisfy that need or want for it. Yeah. So it's the same concept, but you're just making it a lot smaller and springing it out yeah. so you don't feel like you're missing out and the whole thing of the cheat day was like don't make you feel like you're missing out because if you're missing out eventually you're just going to go nah screw it that'll do i don't want to do it anymore and just eat what you want and just continue eating what you want yeah Where if you know that you're just having one little thing a day and i mean little thing not a big packet of things or you know you're having that one day and that one day is set you can just combine it in that little session or that one day and then you go back to being strict because you know you're going to get that reward again yeah exactly it's all about the anticipation of the reward right mm. if you take away the reward completely then what like where's the motivation to work towards that reward at the end of the day or the end of the week or whenever it is so i think like in summary don't if you want to lose weight or change your body composition don't cut out all of the foods that actually provide you joy and you genuinely love because these foods are delicious. They're designed to be delicious, right? Just, you might just need to put some boundaries in place for when, where, and why you eat these foods, not just cutting them out or, I don't know. I think if you put some, if you put extra thought into behind the when, where, and why, it's a lot more satisfying one like you register what you're eating you are experiencing the food a lot more you appreciate it a lot more and the more in tune you are with your body the less you actually will be drawn to want to eat quote unquote junk foods all the time because mm. you'll realize how great you feel when you eat like more whole foods compared to when you eat a diet that's mostly junk food like you have to sort of it's not just about setting boundaries and about cutting out junk food or having cheat days or whatever. It's about actually like realizing how you feel when you have those cheat days or when you eat that food, because like ultimately how you feel determines what you eat and your behaviors and your motivations behind everything. Yeah. And I was, was going to say that don't just, this applies to everything, not just food. Um, but like food is very, <laughs> predominant a predominant and addictive compared mm -hmm. to a lot of things so it just take and it does take a lot of self-awareness and thinking about the foods you are eating so a lot of times 
we've spoken about this in the past, especially when we've done the 75 hard, like we had to, like 75 hard, we couldn't eat any of that crap. So um, you just start to realize and think about why do I actually want this and why do I need this? A lot of time you might think, oh yeah, I want this packet of Tim Tams, but why? Mm. Like, I'm not saying don't eat it, just think about it. Yeah. I don't know what it is about the, it must just be the people. I follow a lot of dietitians on social media because they're considered the top tier of the nutrition world, right? And I don't know what it is they get. I'm not, I have nothing against dietitians, but I don't know what it is that they get taught at university. But for some reason, they all just preach, 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 preach soul foods. Like junk foods can be a part of your diet. It's normal to have cereal, muesli bars, chips as snacks. And they push it so hard. Like I get it. I get that there should be balance. And like I'm, we are saying, don't cut out any of these foods. But I don't know, like... Why is it that dietitians are so pro-processed food? Yeah, and this is what I don't get. Like, you know, body image aside, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about how do you feel? How do you wake up in the morning? Do you wake up with energy? You know, is do you have skin issues? Do you lose hair? Like, do you have energy to do the things you want to during the day? Like, all these things matter, and they, it comes back to food. So... If you're allowing, you know, yeah, it's okay to eat a little bit of ice cream here. Yeah, I'm going to have a cookie as well. All these little things sneak in. They could be affecting your skin, your mood, all that sort of stuff. So I don't understand why diet, yeah, I don't know, maybe. Maybe there's something we don't know that is going on. Yeah. But like there just seems to be a massive divide. It's like team dietitian and then team nutritionist naturopath doctor even doctors it's 50 50 like some doctors are like it's simple eat whole foods whereas other doctors are like it doesn't matter as long as you eat less calories Mm. right it's i don't know it's so very divided we don't even know how you guys supposed to know what the heck is right and wrong yeah in the whole nutrition realm um i think you just got to start with what your goals are like if you're happy in your life um you have the energy you want, you're doing the things you want, and that it, that includes all the cookies and pizzas and that sort of stuff. Awesome. Do it. Go nuts. Mm. But if you do want to optimize or live healthier or achieve more and you're not doing those things, then you might have to look at your food and cut those things out. It's up to you. Yeah. Cool. Controversial topic. Okay, let's just do... I've got one question. It didn't come from a listener because I didn't post a question box. It came from me. It's for Jack. And the question is, is it better to do cardio before or after lifting weights? Context, before we go into it. We've been going to the gym in our building and it's usually there's a couple of other people in there and I just pay attention to what people do. Just It's just one of my personality traits, I think. Um, And I've noticed some people will do like a super hard cardio session and then lift weights. And I've noticed some people will lift weights and then go for a really long walk. I've noticed that some people will just walk for ages and not even go near the weights. I just, I know we've spoken about it a long time ago in the past, but what is better? To do cardio first or weights first? And does it matter? Um, It depends and it depends. So whether it's better to do it first or after, 
it depends on your goal. So if you just want to move and exercise and you just want to get in the gym for an hour, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. If you're lifting weights, if you're doing cardio, if you're just trying to be healthy and be active, does not matter. Um, if you've got certain goals in mind, um, which I'll go into a second, yes, definitely matters. Um, I wouldn't, so if your goal is muscle gain, so let's say body recomposition, so lose body fat, gain muscle, which is, you know, a lot of people just say, I want to lose weight, but really they want to change the way their body looks. They want to look leaner, look toner, whatever, whatever word you want to use, that's body recomposition. So we'll, I'll use that for an example. Um, because you're trying to build muscle and um, lose body fat, don't do it in the same session. So um, now that we've got access to a decent gym with a lot more equipment, I've split it up. So you'll find our program, one day is lifting, one day is cardio, like a long endurance cardio type session, next is lifting, and then the next is a high intensity one, next is lifting. So it's all split up. Uh, you don't want to do it on the same day. So if you're doing like a high intensity run before you lift weights, the weights are sort of pointless because your body is already in the mode of, you know, doing cardio work. Mm -hmm. So whatever you do first in your session, your body um, prioritizes. So I say this when you've got a lagging body part. So if you want to glow, you glow, grow your booty, so the whole conversation of booties, um, trying to build a bigger butt, do your butt exercises first before anything else because your body will prioritize building muscle in that section. So um, same with cardio. So cardio doesn't burn fat or anything like that. It just makes your lung capacity better, which does help with the workout and lifting weights and all that sort of stuff. Again, I'm probably going in the weeds too much, but um, it's not like oh, I'm going to burn fat first with the cardio and then go and build muscle. It's just two completely different things. Uh, just keep it separate. Mm. That's all I'd say. Like, you do not need to be lifting weights every single day to get muscle gain. Um, you can throw in a cardio session in these ones. Um, it's hard because, you know, everybody wants that one answer of do this, but everybody's different. Everybody's goals are different. You know, not too many. This actually brings in a good conversation I talked about last week of um, beginners should be doing strength. Mm. And then somebody was just talk, talking to me about, you know, why can't you build on two modalities? So last week I was just saying... Focus on strength because it's just a great goal. It keeps you motivated. You get great gains. You start looking better. You start feeling better, all that sort of stuff. But then somebody's like, well, what if I want to get fit at the same time? Talking about CrossFit because CrossFit generally combines both sometimes depending on the box and the programming in the gym. So, yes, you can build on both. It's just a lot of people don't have the d discipline to improve both. So some people want to, you know, run a 20, 20 minute 5k run and squat their body weight. Yes, it can be done. Even for a beginner, you can work on both modalities, you can get fitter and you can get stronger at the same time. It's just very hard to work on both. So if I was, if you had a body composition goal, I'd just say focus on one, you know, 
do three months of strength, then three months of exercise. Don't feel like you have to cram it all into the same session every mm. single day. Um, and I feel like that's a lot of people we go to the gym with now feel like they have to cram it all into that one session and they if, end up being there for two hours. <laughs> yeah, and if and then again, that's a whole other issue. If you're if you're in the gym for over sixty minutes, anything more than that is useless. Mm. Your body has ran out of energy. Yes, you can keep working out and you, you'll have the energy to do it because your body is good at allocating energy, but it's just burning on fumes. There's no point in being in the gym for longer than 60 minutes. Um, so yeah, just split it up. Focus on one thing at a time. It's just a lot easier and you see better progress. So if you tried to do cardio and strength or muscle gain at the same time, yes, you're going to get results, but it's a lot slower on both where if you just focus on one, if you focus on trying to get that 5K under 20 minutes, you're going to get it a lot quicker than trying to add in strength as well. Yeah. Just, yeah, don't feel like you have to accomplish everything at once. Also, but you use that running um, example as an example. But runners also really need strength training, right? Like at least one day a week. Yeah, definitely. Like don't just do cardio and never do. I feel like no matter what your goal is, you should always have strength training as the support to some degree. Yeah. But again, this comes down to like who the person is and how, what the goal is and time frame and all that sort of stuff. Um, I'd strongly recommend everybody, if you're an endurance athlete or you're doing a lot of cardio, at least have one or two days of strength training in there. Yeah. Um, just depends on the person and the goal. Cool. Awesome. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. It was um, a roller coaster ride. <laughs> ups and downs. As always, if you have any topics or questions you want us to dive into, you can always hit us up on social media or you can head to our website. You'll find all those links in the show notes. Um, on Instagram, you'll find me at jack.lgraham and at mac underscore in situ. Or, like I said, the links below. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you all in the next episode. Bye.